0: Assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, how much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, and I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for.
1: got this one. Thank you. That's great. Um, Lots of pretty full-on stuff in there, uh, and we're going to deal with it all. uh, But there is a message of joy and encouragement in this uh, for us this morning, which I'm very excited uh, to go through. So shall we pray before I begin? Uh, It's always a good place to start. Father God, I thank you that you do draw us to yourself. Lord, that you have opened a way for us to Um, to meet with you, Lord, and we pray this morning that that will be the case, Lord, that you will be here with us, speaking to us, encouraging us, challenging us, Lord, and bringing us on in our journey with you. May I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, um, peculiar question to start, but is anybody here on Instagram? Anybody at all? What few... Good because this is like then could be a training session as to what Instagram is. Instagram is like a uh, it's a social media platform for those of you who don't know, and it's like a window into like little bits of people's lives, little tiny bits of people's lives. So as uh, people travel through their day, they're taking photographs of what's going on and posting it up on Instagram, and most of it is is at two extremes. Okay, so it's either them. Uh, with the, the beach perfect body lying in their trunks on a beautiful beach in the Bahamas drinking cocktails and, and enjoying the wonders of life or it's the day when the three children have t- tipped tomato soup all over the sofa and uh, the, uh, the, the neighbours have crashed their car into your front wall and uh, everything that's going wrong is going wrong. And it sits on one of two extremes. And there's this phrase that does the rounds on Instagram that goes with most of these pictures. And it's hashtag, which is what you start everything with on Instagram, just so you know when you get on it, when you get signed up. Hashtag living my best life. Hashtag living my best life. Because this is the thing, is that on Instagram, uh, it's like a snapshot of, I think, generally what our society is like. We're all after how we can live our best life or at least look like we are. Building it on the foundations either of stuff that we've manufactured because the moment after that beach body perfect photograph, something will go wrong, guarantee you, or something where we just think that life couldn't get any worse and so we're kind of living in the irony of it but trying to find uh, beauty out of it and struggle to find that ourselves. But this morning, I want to speak to you about how we really can live our best life. How we really can live our best life. Now, this uh, passage in Hebrews, you see, is where we start to switch to exactly that. It's where we start to switch to the bit about living. Now, I did an online personality test this week. don't know if you've ever done one of these. The Myers-Briggs. People who are into this are probably criticising me for having done it as an online test. But I did it anyway, and it told me what personality... Katie is horrified over there because she's (laughs) actually a specialist in this. Uh, And it told me a number of things about myself, uh, including the fact that I'm not into big, long discussions about things. I like to get on with stuff. Okay? Now, imagine my joy and delight... Then when I picked up this passage that I've been asked to preach on, and it starts with this word, verse 19, therefore, therefore, now that word is an action word, because everything we've heard so far, we've done 10 and a half chapters of Hebrews, which has been some amazing background theology some amazing i mean some would argue that this guy who wrote or, guy, or girl who knows who wrote hebrews was one of the deepest theologians in the new testament so if you're after theology you've had it for the last 10 and a half weeks we know who Jesus is, where he is in relation to other people who've lived, Moses, and uh, where he is in relation to the angels, and what he's done for us, the great sacrifice that he has made, the way that he has opened up to the Father, the fact that he has removed guilt and shame from us. All of that, we've had that background theology. And the writer is saying, take that, and now. Therefore, in light of everything that you have heard and learnt and experienced and seen and felt and touched and done, in light of all of it, this is our response. This is our response. It's the bit about what we actually do, where we go with all that information about Jesus, And it's the bit that you can see as we read through, the reason we read the very beginning of chapter 11 is because we're heading towards faith. This is like the gear change, the segue, the bit between going, here's the theology and here's your faith. And this is the response. Because faith, I believe, is an active thing. Faith, I believe, is an active thing. Put it this way, okay? Matt Dixie here, who has so beautifully led us in worship this morning, and will do again, is one of the only people I know who has been brave enough or stupid enough to jump out of an aeroplane. Matt did some skydiving. It was earlier this year, wasn't it? Matt did some skydiving. Now, Matt, when he did skydiving, didn't just go, I'm going to jump out of an aeroplane and leapt out. What Matt did was research and find a reputable company who'd done this sort of thing before. He uh, met with a guy who uh, jumped with him, who had done quite a lot of jumps before and was still, had all his legs and arms and, you know, was still in the land of the living. They have a safety briefing beforehand which explains where the parachutes come from, how they package them away, the fact that there's a secondary deployed parachute if the first one fails, what to do, how to be in the aeroplane, how to leave the aeroplane, all the information is there. Everything he needs to know to make this jump is there. But if Matt didn't jump out of the aeroplane, could you say he had faith in any of that? Could you say he had faith in any of that? I don't think you could. Because even though he might say, they all sound great as I would, I'd say they sound brilliant, but I haven't got faith in it. I wouldn't do it myself. But let's see the picture. There it is. (laughs) That's Matt jumping out of an aeroplane. That proves Matt's faith in what he was told and learnt and saw and heard and felt and experienced. That is faith. That is the action of faith. And I think that is what we are being called to here. The writer of Hebrews is saying, You've got all this stuff, all this information, I've told you everything, and therefore, boldly, and we can get rid of the picture of Matt now, it just distracts everybody. Um <laughs> Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, we have confidence. That is the faith. We're not coming timidly, going, I'm not even sure if I can. We've been told we can. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, it says in verse 22. We're being called to stand on that promise that we've had. To stand on the foundation of everything that we know and believe and trust about Jesus. Now there's some stark choices in this passage which I kind of think we should uh, look at a little bit. Because as the New Testament goes which is quite a friendly passage part of the Bible in comparison with the Old Testament, one might say. As the New Testament goes, this is pretty full-on in terms of warnings and in terms of its kind of language, in terms of the way it speaks. From verse 26, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now, what's going on here? We know this guy is a great or guy or girl. We don't know who wrote Hebrews, but let's, let's just just stick with that. So we know the person who wrote Hebrews is a great theologian. There have been so much reference to the Old Testament, to what previous sacrifices were. So it's going on again here, isn't it? There's a deliberate and specific reference to anyone who rejected the law of Moses. So what we've got to do very briefly is whiz back and see what was going on. And we see that in the Old Testament, obviously, uh, they were under the law. God had given the law to Moses for them, how people should live with, in relationship with God and relationship with each other. And there were some specific uh, laws uh, that this is a, a quote from, really. It's the a bit in, in Deuteronomy, uh, where we're hearing about people who are worshiping other gods. And um, they call two or three witnesses, And if that's found to be the truth, then they are stoned, they are killed, they lose their life for worshipping gods other than the one true God. And it's referencing, I think, here that idea because it would have hammered it home to them. They'd have understood what was going on here. Because although we've heard that the entry into relationship with God that freedom from guilt, freedom from sin, freedom from everything that comes against us is free and available and just open to all of us. They're reminding us that there really is only two choices. As there were choice for the people in uh, the, Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament times, the choice was to worship God or they chose other gods. They're saying this is the same for us now. You can have faith and boldly approach God, believing and trusting in what you've been told, or you can choose not to. But what we've already learned is that there is no other way to the Father other than Jesus. So the the writer is reminding us it's not about this worry and fear that people have had. I think I mean, for centuries in this country, there's been this huge fear over this passage, over how are we in or out, in or out, and what point we should get baptised and all sorts of things like that to make sure we're safe. But what he's saying is it's open and free and you can step into it. If you choose not to, you're on your own. You're on your own. And it's that stark choice. So I think we can be reminded and encouraged by this. Encouraged that we can approach God with faith uh, and with trust and with our hearts open to him. But if we choose to build our lives on anything else, if we choose the Instagram way of building our lives on anything else, then we're in a world of on our own, basically. Now, I've got an illustration to demonstrate what I mean by this. I've got over here all the books of Hebrews that we've been through before, okay? This is what they look like in original form, Uh, bricks. So this is, say for example, uh, the first chapter of Hebrews, which is, uh, it was all about uh, Jesus being greater, The angels and us putting us, Jesus, in a position greater than the angels. This one might be about Jesus being greater uh, than than Moses and uh, him uh, being with the Father. This one might be another one about, uh, for example, the great sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Uh, This one, uh, I will stop eventually. This one. Might be, for example, the fact that Jesus, our great high priest, and he is interceding, he is with the Father on behalf of us. This one might be, for example, the promise that we heard last week that we are free from guilt. Uh, This one, this last one, uh, this one uh, might be the fact that it's open to everybody. Everybody is welcome, all are welcome. No matter where you've come from, what you've done, who you are, what you've been through. That's what we have heard and learnt and experienced in our lives as Christians generally, as we've read the scriptures, as we've studied this book of Hebrews. And that is the building block of our faith. Because I think what we hear so often is people going, I've got faith, I've got it. I've got it, but I don't believe that's what we're being called to. Therefore, with faith, we can boldly approach. We can stand on that faith. It's not something we have to go backwards and forwards about, worry about whether or not we've got. Be the focus of the thing. Have we got faith or not? What we're being called to here is to stand firmly on our faith. And then on we go and do what it is that we do in our Christian life. Does that make sense? If you remember nothing else, remember these building blocks. Because this is our faith that we stand on. Faith is not something that we need to have. It's something that we can stand on. It's something, the firm foundation upon which all of our lives can be built. And this is how we live our best life, standing on our faith. So let's look briefly through some of the things that we're then called to do, standing on that faith. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, Let us draw near to God with sincere heart in full assurance of faith. So standing on it, knowing that it's true, knowing that we believe it and declaring that we believe it by standing on it. Boldly approach. So that's number one. Number one is approaching God. It's a call to worship, this passage. It's a call to worship. It's a call to God. It's a call to know that we don't have to worry about approaching God. We, we've got it in the bag. We know. We know it. And so therefore we can approach God. And it's staring at the face of Jesus in that approach that is what will grow that pile even higher and stronger and steadier. Let us hold, it says in verse 23, unswervingly to the hope we profess It's an interesting time this Hebrews uh, for these folks that are being written to in this this letter. We've heard over the last few weeks about the persecution that they have faced, the difficulties that they have faced, the hard times that they are facing. And we're reminded uh, of what they did when they first found their faith, that whatever came against them, if people stole their stuff, they said, yeah, take it. Because... Because I believe that the end's going to be all right. I believe that in the end, it's going to be fine, that God's got me. So, hey, take it. It doesn't matter to me. It's far, it's down there. It's less important than what I've got here. You're assaulting me. You're insulting me because of my faith. It's all down there because I can stand on the promises of Jesus Christ. I can stand on my faith. Up here, the perspective is very different. And he's saying hold firm. And it's not a wavering firm. If we look at how it was written in the kind of original and I'm not going to go massively into depth because it's a bit dull, but in the original Greek and it's, it's, a, it's this idea of like, almost like a concrete pillar, like rammed into the ground firm. It's not wo- flowing in the wind firm. It's absolutely holding firm and it's a reminder that as hard times come as they will and maybe continue to through all of our lives that because of this foundation we can stand firm and we need to remember to stand firm. You know, and this is to people who were going through some really hard times. And let's consider how we might spur one another onto love and good deeds and let us not give up Meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let's encourage one another. This is verse 24, 25. Let's encourage one another uh, all the more you see the day approaching. So I think there's something for us as community here, isn't there? We read so often in scripture that in Jesus, the relationship not only with God changes, but with each other that we're in this together. There's a new bond between each one of us here as brothers and sisters in Christ, as those who have said yes to the faith and are standing on this. There is a new relationship. And for people in the Hebrews, I mean, I don't know about you, but if there was massive persecution in Reading, And they were hunting down Christians. The last place I would be inclined to come would be to meet with 400 of you on a Sunday morning because I reckon they would track us down. And I think that was probably the same for those folks living and who were being written to here. Persecution all around. Well, it's a lot easier to live a personal faith hidden in your house, but to step out and meet together. And that's what they were being called to do because there is something relational about how we go through all this, about when people are struggling to stand on this, helping each other back up onto it, reminding each other of it, that we can stand firm on our faith and together, together we are stronger. And it's what we do with all that, isn't it? I think for some of us here today, there is a thing of going, I hadn't even realized that. I've been busy trying to work out whether I've got faith or what it looks like. But I've forgotten that actually this is all concrete promises, concrete promises. I was gonna use cardboard boxes, but I got these concrete blocks to remind us that these are not flimsy promises, these are concrete promises that we can stand on and have confidence in and we can get on with the job. Of living our best life in Jesus. To spur one another on to good deeds. And this is not talking about a kind of planned program necessarily of good deeds, but this idea that because we're so confident in our perspective, that we can just give away things that we don't, that we need even, you know? We can do things that just seem so peculiar. And I think there's a call maybe to some of us to step up onto that. That might be the call for you this morning, either for the first time or you might have been wandering around the edge for a long time. And this morning, the Lord's saying to you, it's all true. You can stand on these promises. So I think that is the call this morning. And I think for some of us, it's, it's just remembering the perspective we've got as we go through life. For some, it might be about giving when we have nothing, but remembering that we've got the promise of eternity. Loving when we'll get nothing back. Living with pain, not knowing the future for this life, but knowing that the end, Jesus has got it. Facing the prospect of failure, losing faith because of God. Stepping up to confrontation in a relationship because of injustice. Letting someone else or God have control of your life. Being nothing special. Being nothing special in this life because of what God is calling you to, or standing out when you'd much rather be really ordinary. I think there's just a whole bunch of responses. As we turn and boldly approach God, standing on what we know, we can be called to action. We can be called to a life that is our best life so shall we stand and um, we can just think about how we might respond to that
2: Let's, let's again just pause in a prayerful moment. As we were praying before the service, a number of people had a sense that God wanted to speak to us this morning about trust. And trust is just another word we can use to talk about faith. John's reminded us we can trust in God. And people had a, a picture of a A blind person crossing the road and and needing to put their trust in their their seeing eye dog. This idea that can, from the outside, when you're not sure, when it's not familiar, can seem uncertain, but a reminder that you can trust. And so, God, for each of us here this morning, would you help our faith in you to strengthen? Help us to put our trust in you. Faith to be ordinary, faith to be different, faith to be faithful. God, would you come now by your spirit and move amongst us?